you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wrapped in his arms out there having a great day. We're having a good time here in South Carolina. It's an excellent Friday morning. If you're going to serve God, you serve God every day, even on Fridays. We used to have this thing in the Army, thank God it's Friday. I thank God it's any day. We we serve a great God. Have have gratitude for him. Kevin, what's going on with you, brother? Man, I am in in. I'm a long ways from you, brother. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm 36 inches. <laughs> 36 inches, yeah. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to speak and be here and do it in person, but always just excited to come and be able to share this time. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, brother. I'm glad to have you. I, I love the audio. It's great here not to be jumping back and forth with what's going on with the weather. And so sometimes, no matter what I did, Kevin was low. Sometimes he was high. It was all dependent upon the internet at the church that God had provided for Kevin. <laughs> sometimes they were really good. I mean, when he was out in Utah, we had some good signals, brother. Yeah. yeah. And just shout out to our dear pastor friend out there. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something, man. There are certain people in life that we're meant to be friends with, mm-hmm. and he's one of them. Yes, I agree. Yeah, Faith Baptist yeah. Church in Layton, and uh, thinking about that, and, and just thinking about what a great pastor. So here we are. We got these fourth grade riddles, and and you know, Kevin really came back. He had a, he got a little bit weird on us, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and he I dropped back him. a little bit. So How he's, he's probably him? around 60% again. You know, there hasn't been a lot of these. He's, I think, three weeks into the fourth grade jokes or something. <laughs> but here's one. And I believe you're going to get this, Riddle, Kevin. I, I wouldn't bet a four-pack of Starbucks vanilla lattes. Uh, uh, but I think it's – I'd bet one. You know, I'd bet you one. <laughs> but it says, how do you know Pharaoh was athletic? Um. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, um, Pharaoh of Egypt. Yeah. So, yeah, um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything having to do with athleticism in Egypt with, um, I, I don't three know, seconds, bro. I, I'm going to have to say, um, because, because, um, he, I, 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 I have no, I, no clue. He had a court, he had a court. <laughs> C-O-U-R-T. You think very well of me if you think I'm going to get some of these. I thought you were going to get that one. I thought that was sewed up. I mean, King Arthur had a court. I'm thinking Pharaoh-specific Bible terminology. But it does say Pharaoh's court. These are fourth-grade things. Now, see, I'm I'm telling you, I could have walked this in. Now, my son, my boys are too old now, but I could have walked into either Daniel or Doug's classes in fourth grade, and sadly, they would have got every one of these. And they would have thrown a couple back at you, like, you know, what's black and brown and falling off a cliff? I remember that. I don't even remember what that was. It was like a school bus full of kids. I don't remember. Black, yellow, brown, and school bus full of kids hitting the dirt or something like that. I mean, they told me that one time when I was at my kid's school, and they're all laughing crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not funny. Uh, so I get that, you know, what's yellow, black, and brown? So yellow and black bus and brown dirt, and uh, this is not funny coming off a cliff. But <laughs> fourth anyway, grade humor, yeah. Folks, fourth grade humor. humor. Here we are, hypervigilance. I mean, that's real. 
Mm. We get more wound up than an eight-day clock. We're worried about things. We're pacing yep. around. I mean, hypervigilance is real. Hypervigilance is for those people, those of us with PTSD, we live it, right? And uh, we live right on edge. If somebody says something, we're ready, man. We're, re- we're in attack mode. People are in the military. You're constantly taught how to attack lethally. Lethally, where you're re- you want to be lethal. You want to. Give them everything you got. You want to, if somebody shoots one bullet at you, you want to shoot 600 of them. We didn't play in the United States Army. The, the objective is to take people out, but that doesn't transpose over to life. Mm. Hypervigilance. I was a hypervigilant. My sister, my sister Judy went out with a guy. His name was Rusty. Some can't even remember what his last name is right now. His name was Rusty. He was a karate expert. I may have told some of this story before. He was a, he was a black belt, and uh, he came into our lives, and he freaked me out. Mm. He started showing up and hit. Say, oh, there could be somebody behind that corner. And I mean, brother, he made a case for me to go to karate lessons, <laughs> and he would pick me up at my house, and I'd go to karate lessons. He had me so freaked out. I mean, I got home. I got to the point where I'd put my bed in front of my door, yeah. and my mother couldn't get in. She said, no, we're not living like this anymore. <laughs> you can't take karate lessons like this. Yeah. He had me looking at everybody as if they were a suspect in a murder case. Yeah. I mean, I could pick up my legs. I could kick something six feet in the air. I took like 20 lessons, and through that time, I was never so paranoid. But you know what the Bible says about those of us who are hypervigilant? And, I, hey, I love Rusty. He went on to be a Connecticut State police captain, ran this SWAT force, all that. He, he, could, he, could, he could kick more tail than uh, I ever could. But I'm here to tell you something. You know what the Bible says about being hypervigilant? It does say be sober, be vigilant, right? Because your adversary is the devil walking about as a roaring mm. lion, uh, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So it, it changes. It says, hey, be sober, be vigilant, keep your eyes out for things. But it's saying be sober. Don't be dumb about it. Don't be crazy about it. Don't be overwhelmed with it. Don't let it take yeah. over your day, your week, your hours. You know, but be sober about that. And, and, and not only does that mean not to be drunk with alcohol or liquors, it's, it's talking about, you know, think about things calmly, be calm about it. But at the same time, be vigilant, be studying God's word, living God's word, learning from God's word. And then it says, whom resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, don't forget verse 10 over there in first Peter five, eight through 10, but the God of all grace who have called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while. He'll make you perfect, establish strengthen and settle you. So here in these three verses, we see this time you say, well, brother Doug, that's just like being hypervigilant. No, because it's saying, be sober, calm down, think about what you're doing, look around, but be vigilant with God's word. And then saying, think about everybody else who's been through this. You're not the only lady or gentleman who's been through this. You're not the only one. And he's saying in verse 10, but the God of all grace who have called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. So you've been through a trial. Get it. He, everybody who suffered a trial, raise your right hand. Can I tell you something? There's right hands being lifted all over the world right now. But he makes you perfect, establishes you, strengthens you, and settles you. So that trial you went through, that thing that made you hypervigilance, it's meant for the opposite of that. It's meant to calm you down. It's meant so you're sober and vigilant that you look through things, uh, through biblical words, that lens. And uh, Kevin, here's God telling us, get this right. Get this right. Because the God, 
the God of all grace. He's got your back. He's using this. Boy, we as humans sure go through periods of just ramped up over vigilance. And, you know, by definition, a hypervigilance is an enhanced state of sensory sensitivity, particularly to the point where we inaccurately filter sensory information. I think that's interesting because um, we we all are to be vigilant, but when we inaccurately filter information, in other words, we've been through something and suddenly we fear that we, we, we are vigilant. We are thinking it's, and you mentioned the word paranoid. So paranoia is, is kind of a, we'd say a subset of this, of, of hypervigilance. It's, but hypervigilance is when you are looking, like Zach said at the beginning of this week in the interview, Zach Knight, combat PTSD sufferer, he was seeing, he's looking every time he drives down the road for a roadside IED, maybe in a trash bag, a mailbox. The only problem is he's looking at it in the United States. Yeah. So that's hypervigilance. But we can't judge the guy for it because it's something that's ingrained in him. And if, if you've been through abuse, you know, if there's someone here that's been hurt by an abuser, you're going to be hypervigilant sometimes about the gender of the person that abused you by someone that wears what he wears. If you've been abused in church, I know people that were abused in church. They cannot see a man sitting in a suit and tie without thinking that's associated with evil. And because it was a pastor or assistant pastor or something like that that did it. So, we, you know, David said, I said in my haste, all men are liars. So, so many people had lied to him as the king that he said, everybody's a liar. There's no one telling the truth. That's hypervigilance. That's where, we, where you're inaccurately making a judgment that, that things are out there that are in fact not that way. And it hinders us. It'll, it'll, uh, it, it will keep you from functioning normally because there are people that have to get through the filter. There are situations that should not be filtered as dangerous like that. So uh, thank God he gives us a more reasonable view of vigilance. Be sober. Be vigilant, folks. And uh, the God of all grace is going to take what happened to you in your life, and he's going to turn that into something awesome for somebody else who's going through junk. Can I tell you something? Part of your healing's helping. Man, you can make a difference. You can make a difference today. So flash a smile. Be nice to people, whatever it may be, and uh, you get to be part of that. Folks, I'll tell you, as we move forward today, we've been looking at the life of Christ. In just a few seconds, after we let the radio stations do what they do, we're going to be in John 6, verses 20 through, through 29. So hang with us. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Well, praise God. Here we are. And, and folks, when you open up the Bible and you're in chapter 6, starting in 22... We know that the Lord just fed 5,000 people and their wives and their kids, thousands, just five loaves of bread, a couple little fish, and sent the boy home with the bread he had. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea, that there was none other boat there, save that one where into his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat 
but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit, there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therein saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had not found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, thy camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto an everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work for the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. There's so much going on here, folks. Mm -hmm. Jesus took off to the mountains, and obviously he let the disciples go on their way. Uh, We know that Jesus walked on water not too long ago. He ends up with these guys. People are looking for him. And Jesus is saying, hey, hang on a minute. You know, are you wanting more food? Or are you wanting the word of God? Are you wanting the holy living God? So these people are out seeking Jesus. And Jesus uh, proposes a really good question to these people and say, hey, you know, are you wanting more chow? I filled you guys up. You you had the loaves of bread. You had the sardines. And and, uh, so they found Jesus on the other side of the sea. And they're like, wait a minute. You know, there's not a bunch of boats out here. There's one boat that crossed the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> you know, there's one boat that made it, and, and Jesus didn't get in that he boat. Didn't get in that. The other boats took off. And and uh, Jesus, you know, they're, they're saying, Jesus, how did you get there? What are you doing? And then, and then you know, there's perception. Our Lord knows everything. You know, what? why are they doing this? And what's the motivation behind them? God knew exactly what the motivation is. Think about your motivation sometime. And then he's talking about seeking eternal life and working for God. Kevin, there's so much we learn out of these last few verses, but again, God's saying, it's not about the food I gave you. There's more than that. Yeah. Again, this is the, uh, it's coming to a head that the followers of Jesus, those thousands that were following him were stuck on a circumstantial type of faith. They wanted to see things. They wanted to experience the good stuff. They didn't like the the circumstances before Jesus came, and now things are looking up, and um, whether he's going to be the new king or whether he's just going to be the miracle worker, you know, they just like the fact that circumstances were there. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded that in the scriptures, our guidance doesn't, our, the, the, the last level of of guidance is circumstances. When a person receives Jesus Christ, it's by faith, and and so from that point on begins a journey of walking more and more by faith and less and less based on circumstances. Wow, he, you know, he paid this bill. He, you know, provided a good meal. Everything's going good. Everything's going great. And oftentimes, the testing of our faith. That, that, that brings patience comes as sometimes circumstances are not going well and whether or not we choose to believe him and trust him. And um, I think a lot of people get stuck in the Christian life. Their boat gets parked at the dock. They never launch out into the deep because they want to see a continuation of 
you know, an earthly provision. And he said, you seek me not, uh, not because you saw the miracles, because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You like the feeling you got of having food in your stomach, and you're not even looking to the one who's doing these great miracles. And he said, don't labor for that kind of stuff, but uh, labor for the, you know, food that lasts forever. And so he's trying to, again, like he did with the woman in the well in the last chapter, help us to begin to look for the deep, the real basic human needs and how God will meet those things. You know, love, the need for acceptance, the need for um, security, the need for happiness. They are all found in Jesus Christ. And as he begins sometimes through a time of fiery trial, maybe he's maybe he's peeling these things away from you for a season so that you kind of a little bit more look up and a little bit less at at the you know at the pantry at the bank account someone said i like looking at facebook for a laugh and i look looking at like my banking looking at the bank account for for crying but um, you know we have to um, begin to sense that god is is a spiritual god and he really has the right to lift us up to the uh, faith in the unseen wow that's really good, and and we serve the God who handles no, nothing's too small or too big for God. Mm. Uh, you know, where do we go for things? Well, we got to go to God, and uh, you know, again, God dealing with these superficial motivations. What's our motivation in life? Is it some superficial thing to look good for our neighbors, to do better at work, to uh, look the best we can? Or is it this superficial thing where, man, we just, you know, in this temporal moment, we want to be fed again. We want another five loaves and two fish. We never eat like that. You know, all of a sudden we're pulling out the prime rib, man. And, uh, you know, and, and God starts dealing with us, I think, through this scripture, dealing with me practically. When he starts dealing with things about eternity, and not what you want for dinner. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, God, I got dinner. This is the easy stuff. I'm talking about an eternity. And then God's talking about work. Do you work for what you believe? Uh, you know, uh, do you perform works for God? Or are you doing works to get those five barley loaves and a couple fish? Are you, are you working? To, are you going to work to get through the day, to go home, to get ready to go work to get through the day. It's okay to work like that. It's great making a paycheck and stuff, but there's more to life in between being let out at five and going back the next day at eight. There's more to it than that. We get to serve God and Jesus authority. Again, he's saying, Hey, my purpose for being here, it's, it's not the barley loaves, Kevin. It's not the two fish. It's, it's letting people know that they get to be saved. Yeah. Boy, labor not for the meat that perisheth. You know, the reality is that the best day we have on earth is nothing compared to eternity. And if we can bring somebody with us to heaven, how much better eternity is going to be? The Bible says, They that turn many to righteousness in the book of Daniel shall shine as the stars of heaven. And, um, you know, that's talking about things are, there. there's going to be something different the more people we bring up there you know whether we're going to be you know whether it just means people coming up and thanking us more often and saying i thank god that that he sent you you know just some of that 
encouraging stuff um, or whether there's going to be a, uh, some people say a, a higher magnitude of brightness. I don't know. Uh, you know, Paul, Paul was talking about in first Corinthians 15 that uh, one star differeth of, from another in, um, in brightness. But you know, anyway, whatever's going to take place in heaven, it's going to be so much better. And we will have wished we had spent some time spiritually cultivating our lives. So that result, Bottom line, moral of the story, when we're going through a traumatic season, a crisis, let's go ahead and make it a matter of, of, of turning, not inwardly, except to search your heart and say, Lord, show me what might be prolonging, protracting, causing this problem. Let's get it over with as soon as possible. Don't let me linger where, you know, down in the ditch. Um, but, but really to take our eyes toward Jesus. Jesus, 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 he died for you and me. Jesus, 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 he gave his life to set us free. Live like that, folks. It's uh, the, the eternal, the eternal, not the temporal. We serve a great God. Well, we certainly hope you had a great week along with us. We certainly did uh, being able to talk with you folks and be a mm-hmm. part of this day. Get out to Camp Joy with us, September 11th through 15th. Call Mr. Moore today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.